Good evening, boys, girls, ghosts, ghouls, family, and friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Sacrificial Terror Podcast. I am Sam, I am Mason, with the always beautiful, fabulous Miss... Zombie Barbie. <laughs> and my brother from another mother, Mr. Incomparable himself, Lance the Flair Wagner. Yes. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's show is brought to you by Sacrificial Pond Productions and produced by Samantha Wagner and Miss Zombie Barbie. Tonight's show, we have the one, the only, writer-director known most... For candy corn, Mr. Josh Hasty. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here, Josh. Oh. Hell yeah. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, look, I've been looking forward to it. So thanks. Good, us too. Awesome. Hell yeah. Dude, candy corn, tell me about this. You wrote it, you directed it, and it's just an absolutely amazing film. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, I mean, it was... It was a almost three year long journey. Uh, it, it's a miracle that that it got done. Uh, you know, it was a very very small crew, no budget, and uh, you know, it's just a some an idea I had to try to make the horror film I wanted to see to uh, sort of you know inject all of my favorite things about the genre and about particular films. Um, into one original idea that I had. and Yeah, and now here we are, and the film comes out in uh, 10 days. Pretty nice. crazy. Nice. Is it gonna be in Hell. theaters? Yeah. yeah, it's in select theaters across the country, um, starting on Friday the 13th of this month. <laughs> That's badass. Best day ever. <laughs> it's just, that was just a, a happy accident, as Bob Ross would say. That was not the plan. Um, the plan was we were originally going to do a uh, VOD and Blu-ray release on September 17th. And I don't know how that was dictated. That was decided by the label. But then um, it got a theatrical release on top of that. And that had to happen before, a, a week before or so, or almost a week before the, um, the VOD release. So it just sort of worked out that way. So is it is it safe to say you are a Rob Zombie fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's... He's a he's a friend. He's because we just we're all yeah. we are all huge <laughs> Rob Zombie fans. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. That's yeah, if you if you follow him around uh, with a camera for long enough, you end up just you have to like him. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Because um, you did uh, that You did a documentary, right, on Thirty One. Yeah, I did the, uh, I, we started during pre-production and uh, followed all the way through over a year of interviewing him and, you know, the whole process of making 31. And and then while he was on the road with, I believe he was on the road with Korn, um, we started editing it together and then came up with a five-hour cut that uh, Lionsgate put out and then cut it down to two and a half hours so Lionsgate would put it out on a broader scale. And um, yeah, and then after that, he's had me come out on the road when he was on, I think he was still on tour with Korn at that point and do some stuff on the road with him. And then, and then he became my sounding board during all the bullshit of getting candy corn done. So, awesome. Nice. Yeah. His I got his autograph back there, if you can see it. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. That's, oh, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's fake. Sorry to tell you. That's better not be. <laughs> so I, I was telling Rhiannon a while ago, 
you have a short list of your credits called Total Skull. Is that some kind of homage to Sherry? It's a commercial for is that what the it clothing is? line. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's how that's how I, I got hooked up with Rob. Ultimately, I did that, directed that commercial, and then the guy I worked on it with um, was running Sherry's MySpace. If you, if you remember MySpace, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And she really loved it, so she invited us out to the set of Lords of Salem for a few days when they were in Salem and uh, shooting at the end of that. And so we, that's how, how I sort of met them. And then Rob's bassist, Piggy D, actually, um, I became friends with him and he did a logo for Haunted House that I was directing at the time. And then down the road, I ended up hooking up with Rob for 31. Wow, but yeah, awesome. the total skull is what started it all. That's awesome. Yeah. I, have, I have a hoodie. Yeah. I have one of the, that's how, actually how I got the autographs. I bought a hoodie oh, from nice. Sherry. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's cool stuff. It's back now. And uh, I think uh, yeah. Local Boogeyman actually is is the one that's uh, running it now. So. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a Rihanna mm -hmm. Yeah. Small world. Yeah. Shirt on. <laughs> yeah. Got mine on go. too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You got Jeff Daniel Phillips on there. One of my favorites. I love yeah. that guy. He's really cool. He seems yeah. like it. He's super nice. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, and so are you allowed, like, are we allowed to say um, as far as local boogeyman being involved? If not, you know, we can cut yeah. it. Yeah, no, okay. for sure. Yeah, I mean, local boogeyman funded, you know, when no one else would. Uh, we, we did a very, a very small crowdfunding campaign that got us two days of production covered. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it was amazing, you know, like a lot of people came together, but you've seen the film is very ambitious. A lot of locations, huge set designs, big name actors. And uh, ultimately we raised just enough to cover two days. So that covered just the midway um, that you see in the movie. So we did that and then it was about two years of getting dicked around by other investors and producers and sales agents. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just awful, like trying to get the funding for it. And we didn't need much at all. I mean, we needed peanuts. Um, and ultimately at the end, yeah, local boogeyman, you know, cause we had worked together. I actually commissioned him to do a shirt for Rob that I gave to Rob as a gift. Oh. Um, and that's how we met. And then, you know, started talking over the next probably couple of years. And he wanted to get into filmmaking. He did some wardrobe stuff on Three From Hell. Um, and it was like right after that, uh, yeah, we we hooked up and he gave us the money we needed to finish. So That's awesome. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. Three From Hell yet? I haven't. I won't. I'm, okay. I'm going to the, to the world premiere next okay. week. But uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, I want to see it in a theater setting. We've had Billy Blair and um, Bill O'Burst Jr. on the show. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They were great. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the produce, the line producer on Three From Hell was a consulting producer on Candy Corn. So okay. right when they started shooting, I was out there meeting with him and saw the sets. And oh. Rob and I have the same production designer. Um, and obviously, Poncho is in both films. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot about it, and it's it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. We love, to see we love it. Poncho. <laughs> yeah, Poncho. Oh, yeah. He's the He's best. Cool. <laughs> Have you guys talked to him yet? We're trying. We I've, I've tried. Yeah, 
I'll tell him to talk to you. I'm sure That's he's busy. Amazing. That would be great. We would love to have him on the show. Oh, yeah, because we were just he's talking awesome. about that. We're like, oh, it would be so cool to have him on. Yeah, he's great. Right? He's great. I loved him in, uh, in 31. I thought he was awesome. Yes. That. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we met. I just he's he's just such a fun guy to be around and brought so much to that character and you know, we became friends after that, but just watching you know, Rob would throw at him like, "Hey, I heard you speak Spanish. Why don't we do this whole scene in Spanish?" Right. And <laughs> Malcolm McDowell's there and you know, Poncho's wow. like it's like a, a hundred people standing around like camera crew and stuff and he just did it and rocked it. So yeah. Yeah, I was really excited to to work with him um on my first, you know, real real feature, Candy Corn. Oh hell yeah. Was he the yeah. first one that you had cast yes. out of all of the big names? He was the first one we cast, period. Oh, um okay. so we we had wanted to work on something together and he was doing some shorts and uh you know, we just sort of would talk about ideas and stuff, but yeah, he was the first and only person we had cast for a while. Wow. Uh, while we did the crowdfunding campaign. Um, and he was very instrumental in that too. I mean, his, him being a part of it is ultimately why Courtney Gaines came on board. Uh, they had the same manager. And then uh, from there, PJ is friends with Courtney. And then Tony, what I thought would come on board because he loved PJ and Courtney and they're you know part of the same circle. He actually was a huge fan of Poncho. And so uh, that's what got him interested in reading the script. Um, and it, I'm sure it didn't help, you know, it didn't hurt that, uh, that PJ and Courtney were involved, but he gets offered a lot of stuff. And okay, so yeah. Poncho being involved kind of excited him, I think, but that's badass. all started with Poncho and like three other people just trying to, uh, trying to make something. It was a great cast. I mean, it oh, was yeah. really, Thank you. I really enjoyed Thank it. You. Yeah, it was, it was a dream, a dream cast for me, literally. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, for your, for your first movie, I mean, right? I mean, how, yeah, I mean, better. yeah, it's, it's, it's absurd. Um, and what's weird is like, you know, people don't really believe this, but like how it happened getting them was, was insane because I wrote, I wrote the parts for them. So like Tony Todd, when I wrote Bishop Gate, that was Tony Todd. And so same thing with PJ. So what happened was I showed Justin Mabry, who did all the special effects and created the Jacob mask. Um, and he's an executive producer. When I showed him the script, I was like, hey, imagine PJ souls in this character. Like that's the type of person I want to cast. Never thinking that would actually happen, you know, because <laughs> we barely, I mean, we didn't have money to pay the guy I'm telling this to. Uh, let alone an icon like PJ. But then that that really, that changed everything because he was like, well, you know, Ben from Fright Rags, who's a friend, knows PJ. So why don't we see if he'll, if he'll uh, you know, pitch it to her. And that's how Ben Scribbins became an executive producer and showed okay. it to PJ. Um, and so at that point, I was like, well, let's try to get Tony. You know, I, I wrote the part with him in mind let's see what happens and uh it wasn't easy just to get him to read the script but once he did we were on the phone like the next day and he oh, was cool. super excited and just yeah they're all they all like they're aware of the fact that they're icons but not in a sense of like they're not arrogant they're not hard to work with like 
you know, they, they just know that they're bringing a lot to the table, but they also bring a professionalism and just, you know, so much, so much care and interest in the script and in the characters. Um, so, so, was, so people and people know PJ souls is Linda from Halloween. I mean, this is an iconic, yeah. this is, this yeah. is probably as big as it gets, you know, rock and roll high school and <laughs> stripes Carrie. and Carrie. I mean, all yeah. these movies, she's very iconic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't doing a lot. Um, we had like Ben really had to convince her to even read the script uh, because she's just, she's an icon. She can go to conventions and just, right. mm -hmm. I mean, right. we went to horror hound. We had our first um, sort of sneak peek screening of candy corn at horror hound in Cincinnati in March of this year. And uh, PJ, Tony and Courtney were all guests there. Wow. And Courtney's, uh, or sorry, PJ's line was just, I mean, out the door and around the block all weekend long. Um, yeah, people, and then she could do that every single weekend and, and she kind of does whenever she wants to. So it was, it was a feat to, to get her to look at the script to consider it, but she loved it and loved the character and, and trusted, you know, because of my relationship with Rob, cause she was in devil's rejects. I was going to say, was that the Rob. reason that probably the last one she had done, right? The last movie she had done. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look and see, but it's definitely, you know, that was, she was in it for a couple minutes and it's still it's like, said, she, Hey, with uh, captain Spaulding. Yeah. She told yeah. me like, she signs pictures of that all day long. Like it's just wow. one little, one little role, but, the fans love it so much. Yep. But um, yeah, no, it was, she was amazing. They were all amazing. I couldn't have been happier with the cast. That's so cool. So it was like your dream cast. Everybody you wanted. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Tony is in all my favorite things, starting with The Candyman to X-Files, The Crow. I mean, those three alone, like it, mm -hmm. it hardly gets better than that for me. Um, that is so cool. Yeah. And he like, it was just so awesome. Like he, he just was the, he, they're all method actors, the, the main characters. And oh. um, I'm what Poncho refers to as a method director because I don't call anyone by their name. I call them by the character's name. Oh, cool. And as soon as we get on set, I just, I want to create that world, you know, and I want like, I'm, I'm, I'm not pleasant about it. Like I don't, fuck around like if you are on set like that's your character and um and so it was cool for me because I have to stay in that mindset because if I start I'll wig myself out you know if I start thinking like holy shit it's Tony Todd right you know like you can get in your own head and no matter how cool and collected you are like that could kind of wig you out on considering the pressure you're under and he needs yeah. you to direct him I mean, yeah, exactly. Right? He doesn't, he knows he's Tony. Like he's right. You know, he, I, the Tony he is, isn't the Tony that I have seen on TV. So it's like, you're right. a director, you're a professional. And so, you know, I, I don't get too caught up in that, but I just right out of the gates. I'm just like, I, I'm just going to treat everybody as if they're the characters. And, and that in my head would have created this, this ongoing world. And it did. And so, um, you know, it was cool because everybody always asked me, like, what was it like to work with them? And I really don't know because I never, like, I talk to them all the time now and, like, they're friends now and we're doing all these shows together. And so I kind of get those moments now where I'm like, 
cool. Tony Todd just texted me happy birthday. You know? <laughs> oh, but so cool. while we're on set, it's like, it's Bishop. And right. he actually gave me shit at one point because he was trying to improv stuff. And I was just like, no, that's not how it goes. It's like this. <laughs> wow. And it's in the behind the scenes documentary, I think. And he just kind of laughs and he's like, oh, okay. You know, because it's like, <laughs> he's worked with all these huge directors and films, but he loved it. And afterwards he told me, he's like, you don't give a fuck. Like you have <laughs> it in your head and that's that. And, you know, and in, in, in hindsight, I'm like, man, that could have really backfired. Uh, and then Courtney would push back a lot because Courtney, oh, we wow. went through a lot of shit to get this movie done. And he was a producer from almost day one. And so if I started telling him like how to articulate words, cause I have all of it in my head, you know, how the characters sound and what that's say, crazy. That's weird. He would, and he would just like, you know, put, he was the only one that would really push back, but, um, but in a good way, I mean, cause he cared, he really gave a shit about the character and, um, yeah, so it's weird. It's like when I look back, I, I, I don't, now that I know them all personally, it's hard for me to even picture like PJ on set because it was Marcy and it was this right. character that was in my head. I mean, I designed her haircut. I did 99% of the wardrobes myself right. and it was all manufactured in my head and then into reality uh, with these hands and the help of a few, you know, very dedicated and very patient crew members um, and then it was just like, you know, for however long I had with that person, I was with that character. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's bizarre. Hey, before I forget real quick, I, when mm -hmm. I was checking the, the name, just so I would remember all the names, yeah. I saw, I saw Bishop Gate. Yeah. So that just jumped out like right away. I went, okay, no, he wasn't a religious person in the movie. So yeah. I started to investigate and I, so I entered, I entered, I put Bishop Gate in search and about the only thing that really come up was an apartment complex in Ohio. And I go, well, I go right. look and see where the film was, was done. And it was done in Ohio. So I'm like going, where'd the name come? I'm, I'm like, I got to ask him where the freaking name comes from. <laughs> yeah. You're the first person to ask. Well, Tony asked, but um, yes. yeah, it, it's actually, so I'll preface with this. Every single character in the movie is named after something okay. important to me, whether it's, a film, a character from a TV show, and in Bishop Gates' uh, case, it's a, from a Beatles song. Okay. Um, okay. Off of Sgt. Pepper, uh, it's called "The Benefit of Mr. Kite." And gotcha. I know they, it well. Yeah, it's uh, you know That's the, awesome. he, he mentions Bishop. It's actually Bishop's Gate in the song. But okay. I named him Bishop Gate after. Uh, I wonder if that's where the apartment Beatles. complex got that name from, <laughs> too. You know? Yeah, prob probably. <laughs> I just um, thought it was so I weird. They were both in Ohio. I was like, going, there's yeah, got to be some weird. kind of connection, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's the Beatles. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Dang. Yeah. Kind of ciphered something out, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you asked that. I, there's so many Easter eggs, and okay, cool. it's funny, like the names, the, the, the places, you know, the names of, of like, the restaurants and, and everything in there is 100% Easter eggs wow, that okay. I hoped wouldn't be like, you know, glaringly obvious and they're not um, to, you know, so far from what I've, I've done a lot of, a lot of interviews and Q and A's and stuff. And so far, no one has been like, you just ripped off everything from the, you know, 1967 to 1993 <laughs> in pop culture <laughs> or horror. But, um, <laughs> 
It's an homage. It's an homage. It is. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's cool for me because I mean, I grew up like you know, watching all these things, and I study these films and shows, and so there's a ton of X Files and Twin Peaks stuff. There's awesome. Rosemary's Baby references all through it. Um, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby is my favorite of all time. Um, just watched it. Yeah, I just watched that last week. Did you? Did, yeah, all did these you? Years, uh, I've never seen it, and this is really. I watched it. Yeah. Did any of the uh, names or anything stand out in Candy Corn from? You saw from, it after uh, you saw Rosemary. Candy Corn, right? I saw it after I saw Candy Corn, but I didn't cor- you know correlate anything. Good. What names was it? <laughs> So uh, since you the, mentioned <laughs> the big one i haven't you know I, i'm not like going out and just saying it because i want people to to see okay. they can figure it out but the uh but since you asked i'll tell you um there's a ton but the main one that people can't believe is that they didn't realize is uh sheriff bramford i was just gonna uh, ask Courtney Gaines's character yeah. Bram, bramford is the name of the apartment that mia farrow lives in and oh, wow. that's where the whole movie takes place is the the Bramford or the black Bramford as they call it yeah. right right now okay. that you say it I can so, picture the sign in the movie <laughs> yeah, so so Guy and uh Rosemary live there next to the cast of vets and there's all all kinds of references there but um but yeah the Bramford is uh is Mr. Bramford Sheriff that's Bramford so cool which, See, I'm a, I was stuck at the hospital watching on my phone, worried about my wife, you know, and I'm oh, trying yeah. to take it all in. And now, now I need to get a copy of it so I can watch it and like yeah. really get apart, you know? Yeah, there's, there's a lot, a lot in there. And that's, that was my goal. I wanted it to be something that you watched and enjoyed, and it seemed like it was just at the surface and was fun. But I always loved movies and music, too, that – it's in, in paintings, any, any type of art that just seems like, okay, I get it, but you kind of know like there's something else there, you know, that maybe you aren't getting. And, um, you know, it's like, that, that's how like all of John Carpenter's stuff is to me. Right. And that's how like the Beatles are and really, really great bands are, are always that way. Uh, it's just like, cool, I get it. And then once you start to really listen to it more and more, you're like, wait a second, I never noticed that before. Or like, you know, Mark Rothko's, Margot Rothko's paintings, um, you know, with like just the smudges, like what I have behind me. It's like, it's simple, but the more you stare at it and the more you sort of invest into it, there's more there. Right. And so that's, that was my goal there. And, and one of the, the sort of, um, you know, things that I used to implement that theory which is what it was until it, you know, actually comes out is naming things like I just said, and then dropping little Easter eggs and, you know, that, that was part of it. And then the other part was just, you know, doing what Hitchcock did all the time, which is not answering all the questions. So mm-hmm. there's all these scenes where it's like, I give you just enough. And then you're like, well, what, what was Bishop talking about there? Why didn't he, what, what's going on here? Um, and it, it's it's a fine balance, and I wasn't sure how that was going to uh, how that was going to be received. But so far, it's people seem to be taking it pretty well. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. We'll if, Sam, if Sam hadn't dropped off, he probably would have said, "Let's do a contest." Yeah, where'd he go? His phone like kicked him out. It, uh, did it die though? Because I don't think it died. 
died. Oh, it did. Sam just said it died. Yeah, so it's one hundred percent charged and just dropped. Uh, freaking like, self and technology. Technology. Freaking sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um. So local boogeyman had a small part in it too, right? He was like the wolf, wolf boy, or wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he's just like in a in a tent, just playing in a music box. It's not like a there's no lines or anything. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a fun little. We just needed we didn't have any like you know extras. I mean, it was just we were literally using crew, and wow. so when they're like sitting around the uh, like like the scene where he's in the in the tent, mm -hmm. um, and then when they're sitting around when Doctor Death is giving his speech. Like all that's just literally just whoever can come around and, and put on some wardrobe, uh, just send them to the wardrobe trailer. And that's, that's what we did with, with pretty much all of our extras for the most part. Mm -hmm. So do what you got to do, you oh, know, when you don't have any money. Yeah. Well, it turned out fucking amazing. That was the same with like Cherokee Creek. Remember he was saying, saying yep. that too, that they had the same issue. They would just use whoever was on. Was on yeah, the and like just they took they took a guy. They kidnapped a guy and had a bag over his head, and when they got him to the van, so like they stopped, stopped uh, action or you know cut. So they come back to it, you know, two or three days later, the guy wasn't available. So one of the yeah. guys, they had to wear the bag, yeah. head, you know. Just well, do what you gotta do. yeah, that. There, so there's one guy named Aaron who uh, came out to be an extra the first time we shot in L.A. People don't realize unless you've heard me talk about it or you watch like the making of or listen to the commentary on the Blu-ray. Um, we shot this thing. We shot two days in LA, uh, June of 2017. Oh. Bunch of bullshit happened. Shot four days in Ohio in November. Dang. Bunch of bullshit happened. Shot a few more days in Ohio, almost exactly a year later to the day, and then finished the film in LA in December, just recently of 2018. Holy um, shit! It takes so long. Yeah, well, it took us long because of all the the, the bullshit I had to deal with 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 right. investors and and you know the sales agents and all that stuff. So, um, really, we we had one producer at the beginning that was supposed to fund the whole thing. After the crowdfunding, sort of uh, was more modest than we expected, and he was supposed to have the money ready by the fall. The following fall so we should have had it all shot 2017 but like weeks before Courtney was like what the hell's going on do you you know is the money in escrow and I've never done this you know I don't right, right. I don't know what the fuck you know money in escrow I didn't know what the hell was, <laughs> he was talking about at the time it was like I don't, he says he's gonna have the money Courtney's like well how do we know he's gonna have it well he said he was going to why would someone lie um I was very naive in 2017 Right. But uh, he, yeah, he just, he didn't deliver anything. Courtney ended up like two weeks before raising just enough to shoot those few days. And mm -hmm. so people ask me like, why didn't you just wait until you had it all? But we couldn't because, you know, one, well, the other thing I learned is contracts don't mean shit. People will break contracts left and right. And they do in Hollywood all the time. Oh yeah. So it's like, you know, we all kind of thought like, all right, this dude is, he's going to do it. And when he didn't, we already had locations. We had sets built. We oh, had man. cast everything. It's like, so at that point we were like, well, what can we shoot for this little bit of money that Courtney put up basically through one of his friends that invested? 
Um, and then, so we decided we'll shoot just the exteriors in Ohio. That way we can have all the fall time stuff. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, hopefully we can raise the rest of the money to do the rest of it, it which essentially we did. Um, and that's when local boogeyman came in because essentially we, even though it was a year, we did raise enough to shoot the rest of it, but we did it in two parts because the circus was in LA and, oh. um, you know, we can't get that circus anywhere else and you can't get the aesthetic that we got in Ohio in LA. So, um, you know, that's, that's what we had to okay. do. Okay. What I remember, it was seamless. Well, and thank I, you. I'm, yeah. I'm being serious. Not just cause you're on the show. I'm, I'm being, I would have had no idea it took that long to make that movie. Yeah. It's, well, that's it's seamless. We, we were very, you know, it, that was stressful to get it that way. And it started with working with my DP on getting screenshots, you know, cause I edit the whole movie myself. So I was able to just in between these, these lulls, I was editing the whole time. And so I could take screenshots of everything and show him, this is exactly what the lighting looked like. And then we had an amazing gaffer that came on, um, on the second half, the, the final part of the shoot. And he studied, he watched all the clips I edited. He like studied, all the where the light was coming from that way it all matched when we went back to LA and back to Ohio a year later but then the big thing on top of that was my fiance color grades everything so it was going through and like you can have the lights in certain places but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to match so she spent a lot of time matching like for instance there's a shot I won't give it away what happens but if you remember at the end of the movie Mike is in the midway and the cop car pulls up and something right. pretty epic happens. So, and this is all, I have stories like this for days that are on the Blu-ray bonus features. So if you like this kind of stuff, definitely I'm gonna get, get the Blu-ray. I'm gonna get it. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, so he's in the midway. We shot that in September, 2017. Now we could not afford a cop car there. So I told everyone, oh, we're just going to shoot that when we come back to the circus we'll just we'll set everything up and we'll shoot the cop car later because we'll have more money well we ended up not being able to do that so we had to shoot the cop car arriving in ohio a year later so in the movie you see mike in the midway and what i ended up doing was renting just the light bar that's on the the red and blue lights right you can uh just rent those in, in la you can rent anything so we rented those for like a hundred bucks. And so the lights would be flashing on him. But every time it cuts oh, to the okay. car. Okay. <laughs> so I every time it yeah, so every time it cuts to him in the midway, it's just him looking at a minivan, like our crew van, with the headlights from That's that awesome. and then the light bar on. And then when it cuts to what he's looking at, that's a year later in Ohio, wow. and it's the actual cop car. No wow. so it's just clue. cutting those. But like the, the big thing is like we can match that lighting and do that the best we can. And it's just all like that's the type of shit that I had to deal with of thinking like just thinking on my feet and how do, how do we do this. But then what Lindsay would do was like the headlights on a minivan aren't the same color temperature as this, you know, early oh, wow. 70s headlights. So it's changing those colors. And I mean, just putting so wow. much fucking work into this thing. man. I can't even explain. That's crazy. Um, that's but, really smart of her to think of that, that the headlights yeah, are really Yeah, because that's, that's type of stuff like you, you know, I 
stuff on this budget, if you want to even call it a budget, um, you just don't think about that stuff. And we, we never looked at it as low budget though. You know I mean? We had an Academy award winning makeup team that did all the special effects that did it as a favor um, because they just wanted to work on something fun and, and what they used to do. That's cool. Um, so, so in that sense, that's why we approached everything the way that we did because while we had no money and we were running around like crazy and freezing our asses off at all times and you know early winter in Ohio and whatever we always all the way through post-production I mean like stuff like that and there's stories like that for days but we always treated it like it's not some bullshit low budget thing like this is mm -hmm. it's candy corn and that means something epic to us right yeah um, yeah so that was the mindset for pretty much everybody. And if it wasn't your mindset, you didn't last long. Um, I had an amazing producer on set, Matt O'Neill, that um, just really believed in my vision and, and what I wanted to do. And there were a couple times where like people did treat it like, like people would say like, yeah, well, you're, you're not paying me my full rate, so you're not gonna get my full attention. Oh, wow. They weren't there the next day. Oh, like man. I would just, give Matt a look yeah and be like okay yourself. get that fucking asshole out of here Man. Like, you know because you have 50 people and if you have you know enough of that it just it, it's a breeding ground for just Absolutely. negativity and just, you know all right if you, go work on something and get your full rate then I don't know yeah. what the hell you're doing here you know so yeah. so yeah so is that was the mentality all the way to the finish line and that's why we wrapped I believe it was December 15th or 18th of 2018. And then we had a finished final cut that screened at Horror Hound March 15th. Wow. wow. And I scored the whole movie with my friend, Michael Brooker. So it was just like, while I was scoring in Austin, Texas at his studio, Lindsay was here. Is that where you are? Well, I'm in, I'm in Texas. I'm a, I'm a Longhorn yeah. fan. <laughs> nice. My daughter would take it for a little bit, but I'm a Longhorn fan. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he has, a, he has a studio there. And I would write stuff while we were filming. I would send it to him, and then he would beef it up with orchestration and other instrumentation. We just kind of bounced stuff back and forth. So while I was there doing the final score and the final Foley mix, um, Lindsay was back here in Ohio and our home studio color grading and sending me, you know, hey, what do you think about this stuff for approval? And then um, it was just madness. And then I came back, I think I was back home for four weeks and I put the final cut together and what we screened at Horror Hound. The only thing I changed was the, the Gus character. People were laughing so hard in the screening that they were laughing over his following lines. They couldn't oh, hear what he was wow. saying. So, um, cause he's just hilarious. So, uh, so that was the only thing I changed. And then that cut is what Epic Pictures bought and is putting out next week. Awesome. And so Wild he was stuff. the greasy strangler, right? Yeah. Sky yeah. Alabar. Yeah. The greasy he, strangler. he did the, um, I was telling Rand before you came on, he did the, um, stunts for Rain Wilson, another Rob Zombie guy in the rock. Did he? Almost, almost positive. Oh, really? Cause they got the same, they have the same exact look. Yeah. You, know? you saw them yeah, in the they think of the same person yeah. in the movie, in the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, he was awesome. He, uh, he wasn't easy to get either. Uh, he was friends with Poncho. They were, they worked okay. together, I think at the actor's studio or maybe they just knew each other. I'm not sure. But, um, but Poncho read the script 
and he was like, man, I've got the perfect guy for Gus. Like he's the greasiest, grossest dude. <laughs> he's, a, he's an amazing actor. That's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, how, how you think Sky Elabar is, that's how Sky Elabar is. <laughs> that's wow. Like, you just can't be in a bad mood when you're talking to this guy. He's just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I think I read that yeah. on your Instagram about you. Having so if it, we were also her and I having a debate. If you had to say there was like there's a superstar of the movie, if it's if it's Poncho or if it's Courtney, who who, who would you say is the absolute? I mean, I kind of have a feeling you're gonna say Poncho now, but that's we kind of we kind of agree that Poncho was like the star of the movie. Yeah, no, definitely. I that's, mean, he is. I mean, it's it's and Courtney says that all the time. It's Aww. it's Poncho's movie, and, and but Courtney's we, in it a lot. He's in a, a lot. He's of in yeah. He's in. He starts uh, the second act starts with a shot of Courtney in the cop car, and then he's in majority know, of it from there. Right? Eighty yeah, eighty percent of the film from there. But Courtney was a producer, and he never got egotistical about like wanting you know to have screen time. It was always about you know the film being as good as it could be. He believed That's in it awesome. from from day one, and. There was actually, so like, I, I, I don't really let the actors improv a whole lot. Um, not because I don't want them to, but mainly because we didn't really have time. And I, I run these lines so much in my head and I have exactly what they say and how they say it. So I'll let them sort of do their thing, but then I'll say like, all right, well, let's, let's try it this way if, it's, if I'm not really feeling how they do it. And there was a lot of stuff that Courtney's character had in the film that he actually had me cut out. Okay. And his reasoning was that Poncho's character would, should be the one that has these big epic speeches. And if we had both of them, it would be a dueling, like, you know, gotcha. who's, who's the main, who, you know, who are we rooting for? Who's the main one here? And he knew that I really wanted the audience to root for Dr. Death. You know, it's, oh, okay. it's, it's all about him. I want you to, to want, you know, this is a film for the freaks, for people like us, you know? Exactly. Um, it's, it's a film that you, you, you feel for Sheriff Bramford because he's a real guy, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you feel more for Jacob and Dr. Death and all these, these hoodlums who Absolutely. are just minding their own business and just trying to make a living and, uh, the normal people come in and fuck it all up for him. And uh, this little guy's tired of it, man. He's not gonna, he's not gonna put up with it anymore. And yeah. so that was a conversation Courtney and I had a lot about cutting, cutting a lot of his stuff back to where you didn't, you didn't really side with him too much. You know, we don't want you to, to know too much about him. And once so. again, another horror icon. I mean, he's literally, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, he's Malachi. I yeah, mean, he's freaking Children yeah. of the oh, Corn. Yeah. Yeah. Get out yeah. of here, kid. And he doesn't have, yeah. have a shitty attitude. I mean, that's just, that's got to be like yeah. something to really embrace. I mean, that's really awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, you know, he, it was just great to have them believe in it, you know, for, for PJ to come out of virtual retirement, if you want right. to call it that, um, for Tony you know, Tony to call me up and was just like, you know, I'll do it under these circumstances. And his circumstances were like, I want to collaborate on the character. You know, I want to have say and, and, you know, like he wanted the character to be an idiot savant. So he didn't, his two, his two requirements was three, but I can't say what the third one is yet. 
Um, but the, the two were, he wanted to have something done. You know, he didn't want to just be Tony Todd. He wanted to have something subtle done with his face. So Justin Mabry did the um, cleft palate uh, prosthetic on him and we did the eye patch. Um, so he's happy with that. And then the other thing was he didn't want it to just be big, scary candy. Man, you know, um, he wanted to play it sort of slow and reserved and, and he was in it a lot more on the script. But as we talked again, it was like, you know, and I know people are going to be pissed about that. Like certain people are going to be like, why did, why isn't Tony in it more? But it was a deliberate creative choice to say like, it's not about just saying, look, we have all these icons. Isn't that cool? It's about the story. And the story is about Jacob Adkins and it's about Lester, Dr. Death in their relationship. And if you replace Tony Todd with any other actor, you wouldn't be bitching because Bishop Gate plays the role he needs to play in this right. particular story. Right. But because he's a big name, people, people think it's like, I mean, they, you know, I, I don't know. So, so I loved that. I loved that. And I love that about Courtney too, you know, where they weren't, you, you, you see that uh, with new actors where it's like, I want more lines. Can you give me more lines or can you, you know, can I have another scene? And then you have these veterans who are like, no, that doesn't serve the story. The story right. would, the st we need to focus on this right now. That's awesome. Um, so that was, that was another big learning experience for me of like the difference between actors who give a shit about the story versus ones who just want material for their reel. Can yeah. you see as, as your, as your career will progress, will you see kind of doing the thing that Rob Zombie did, like bring the older, I don't want to, I don't want to step on anybody's toes and say the wrong thing here. Not necessarily forgotten actors and actresses, but just, they hadn't had a whole lot of work up to when he brought yeah. them back in. Can, can you see doing that? Like you'll reach out to maybe some people that aren't working as much or. Um, I don't know. Not deliberately. I mean, okay. I, I wanted Tony and PJ and Courtney because they were a part of three of the most important films to me. Gotcha. Um, and they were actors that as I started creating these characters, they were the actors that came to mind. Um, and I, and I can say, you know, I, I would never speak for Rob, but I can say, you know, I don't think he does that just to say, I'm bringing, I'm giving this person a career again, you know, um, look who's back. But uh, <laughs> he's Colleen now. Yeah, I, I, I am Colleen. I had to switch my, uh, unfortunately, I had to use somebody else's computer because my phone took a hey, shit it's not while we were talking. It's not so. unfortunate you're back. Right? It's great. I, I was not expecting that. So I didn't mean well, to, you were saying no, about, all, okay, hang on, yeah, it's all good. Um, I think, uh, I, there, I, I will say there are actors that I love that probably are most known for their stuff that they did in the seventies or eighties that I would love to work with. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it would be, I don't know. It'd probably be pretty pretentious of me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give some of these guys a career again. You know? Yeah. yeah I, I didn't want to make it sound like I wasn't trying to make it sound like no, that at all. I swear. I know. Yeah. You know? Because no, I, I think I love that Rob's done that actually, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it is awesome. And, and you know, I think there's a reason that we know and love those, Absolutely. those people. There's a reason we know PJ Souls and, and they're like family. I mean, they really are like family. Her character in Halloween. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. We grew up with them and, and we, you know, we fell in love with horror films because of what they did in mm. horror films. Right. And you know, PJ, Tony, and Courtney are three of them, but there's a long list of people that 
that I would love to work with. But as Courtney, PJ, and Tony will tell you, I also don't want to do that just because right. they were those people. I mean, I had, I had phone calls with each of them to talk about the character and make sure this was going to work. Because for me, even though I'm like, you know, a first time filmmaker and I'm lucky to have them in my films, I don't want it to suck, you right. know? So it's like, I was completely prepared for if Tony Todd just didn't give a shit and was like, yeah, I'm Tony Todd. I'll show up and do what I do and you'll like it and whatever. Right. I mean, I told my producers like, I'm not going to do it. That obviously wasn't the case. He's right. one of the greatest people ever. And, you know, I, I, I love every moment that we get to work together. Um, but I think, you know, there are, I forgot about this, but there was one, one person that was an, is, is an icon that I did talk to that um, you might be able to beat it out of one of the producers and one of the other actors. I won't say it, but I set up a call with them to play a character and they literally, I got on the phone with them and they said, you've got 10 seconds, sell me on your idea, go. Wow. And I was like, okay. I'm like, all right. So I start talking and I can't talk in 10 seconds. I just can't right, do it. Right. I have too much to say. And, uh, and he goes, you're losing me. You're losing me. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? And, and so I was like, all right. And so, so I just, you know, did my pitch and he was like, all right, well, uh, I, I think he said something about like, you know, something about Rob Zombie and like, you know, well, well, if I do this, is there a chance you think Rob will, uh, Rob might cast me in something? No. Like, uh, no, no, it's definitely probably not a chance there. He probably would have maybe casted you or if he wants to cast you, maybe he will. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Rob Zombie. You realize that, right? And he got pissed off. And he was like, well, I know that, but I thought, you know, if I'm going to help you out, you could help me out. Oh, I was just wow. like, oh. um, and so we hung up and I, I called Courtney and I was just like, yeah, uh, fuck him. Uh, there's a there's a reason he hasn't worked since the 70s. And this Are is you why. serious? Yeah. He hadn't um, worked like, and he was like that? Well, just bullshit stuff. Yeah. I mean, and it's someone <laughs> oh you can God. go to. You can go to these conventions and he's at 90% of them probably with, you know, a decent line or whatever. But it's like, that's, that's the attitude oh. of some of them. But then it's like PJ, her fucking line is to the next city. And she was still gracious. She's the most amazing person ever. Um, so it's yeah. Now by the time this by the time this airs, this, the movie will be out. Was she, was that a uh, was that a Twins Peak? Was she a Twins? Yes. Peak? Okay, I thought yes. so. Yeah. When you, when you said yeah. that, I was like, it's, she has to be a Twins Peak. <laughs> yeah. No, that's got to be. Yeah, she was uh, very very influenced by Lucy, uh, the, okay. the dispatch right. at uh, and Twin Peaks Sheriff's. That's station. awesome. Yeah. And oh, what's there, funny, you can have a contest now, Sam. Another contest with uh, Josh. He's got awesome a ton of Easter, what? tons of Easter eggs in his movie. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, can, yeah. Candy Corn's basically just one big uh, sci-fi <laughs> horror Easter egg wrapped up in a classic yeah. slasher uh, story with some some very prominent Dean Cundey influenced <laughs> cinematography. Awesome. Right. That's how I would describe uh, it. Your cinematography was absolutely spot on. It was gorgeous. Well, thank you. Yeah, I work with a cinematographer on, you know, obviously the designing the lighting and getting it right. And he was very patient with me. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I have every shot planned out and 
I storyboarded everything myself um, because I, you know, I'm very, it's very important to me. Cinematography is very, very important to me. And I didn't want to just, you know, I'm sure he would have done a great job if I just said, do your job. But I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted it to be shot the way I wanted it to be shot. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, you'll see in the, and I keep referencing it, but the behind the scenes documentary on the Blu-ray goes in, I mean, you see all of this, like, it's very, very precise and locked down. And it's not necessarily inspired by any one thing. I mean, you know, obviously Kubrick comes to mind anytime you're setting your camera up, um, at least for me, but, you know, and John Carpenter too, like all of his stuff with Dean Cundey. Um, you know, it's just. He did Halloween 3 as well. Do you, do you remember? I don't, I don't know if he did Halloween not, 3. Halloween 3 is a touchy subject for me. So good, or, good or bad. Good or bad. <sighs> Man, I mean. Come on, Josh. Really put me on the Josh. spot here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a great little Halloween film on its own. And I get that, like, at the time, it was like, we can't do three of the same thing. I totally get that. But I'm not, like, there's a, there's a, and maybe you guys are a part of this, but there's a culture of people who are, like, love Halloween 3, like, it is a part of the franchise. Well, yeah, I know. I like it I as a standalone, just, yeah. It's a standalone thing. Right. It's its own thing. It's cool. Everybody loves Tom Atkins. It's, like, it's it's cool, man. But, you know... So you don't hate it. You don't hate it. I don't hate it. No, I just, I hate, like I get in conversations, people are like, no, it's a part of the pantheon. (laughs) No, no, it's not. You want to know why? (laughs) Because Michael Myers isn't there. Do you remember him? Like, you know, it's just, I don't know. They're going to try to do an anthology. anthology. They're going to try to do a series, like a different Halloween movie. And everybody was like, this sucks. Bring back Michael Myers. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the, you know, but that, kick down the door for filmmakers like me to be able to do what I just did. You know, it's like it, it opened up a a genre entirely. Um, But yeah, I mean, my point of that is I'm not, I'm not deliberately trying to say like, this is how Dean Cundy would do it. This is how Kubrick would have done it. It's just years and years and years of watching that stuff and having it, you know, ingrained into my subconscious mind. And then when I do set something up, it's like, well, here's a kid riding a bike, beautiful fall foliage. Um, I want him to seem, you know, not small and meek, but not powerful and big. And so the camera should be here. And, you know, the music, and I, I, because I write most of the music, I'm like, all right, this is what's going to be playing. And I'm listening to the music while I'm shooting 90% of the time. So every shot, like, that's why I was able to edit so fast because I would go to my hotels at night we'd shoot 12 to 14 hours and I would go home and just try to cut everything I could before I passed out. Cause it was still fresh and exciting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that about the, about the look of it. Cause that's in addition to the cinematography, uh, Lindsay, my fiance who color graded everything. We, uh, we spent a lot of time with the look of it and, and mimicking film stocks. And I actually, composited actual Kodak film stock grain uh, into every single shot. And so I would study how that grain would react in low lights and highlights and midtones. And I would, the whole movie, you know, the the entire film, I went through frame by frame. This is after Horror Hound. 
that was like the really the only thing I really changed aside from the gust stuff. But just went through and tried to just like make sure every shot looked how I wanted it to look and how I wanted it to look was not digital, but it wasn't archival, you know, it wasn't like I love House of the Devil, but like House of the Devil deliberately looks like an old film. Yeah. I didn't want that because I didn't want people to feel like they were watching something from a time capsule. Right. Um, and so it was that, it was getting the colors right. How do the colors react, you know, on certain film stocks? And then what does the grain do? And it creates this warmth um, and, and, and all of that. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's so much freaking work. So it's nice to how many people times, How many times did you see the movie? <laughs> oh, I, I've, I've seen it. I mean, it's, I can't even count. Right. I can't even count. I, I literally like will, would watch it all the way through and just, I have notebooks just wow. for myself of like, turn the grain down 6% there. Um, we shot everything in the 2.40 aspect ratio, which I loved and I thought was perfect for this film. But even when we shot that in it, it's when I'm looking at my monitor, there's the, the black bars at the top and the bottom, but there's still footage being shot under that. I don't want to see it but it's still there. And sometimes when we're, you know, shooting on the fly like that, we can frame up as much as we want, but there's still like the framing might not be completely perfect. So like the shot at the very end of the movie, when we're dollying in on, on Dr. Death, talking to the girl in the tent, I literally went through and reframed and resized and just sort of redid that dolly shot. Um, you know, so it, it was a lot of that. I would make notes on like, you know, where I wanted to do that. Um, yeah, I, I've hun over a hundred times I've seen this movie, um, wow. you know, cause I've had to, I had to watch it through all the color grading changes, through my edits, through all the scoring. Um, it's just, it's just madness. That's great. Oh, that's, that's great. Cool. Yeah. You and like I still players. like it. Where, whereas good. with with my film i'm doing it you know directly in 4k so yeah you no know, it's but i want it to have that new feel i want it to have yeah. that extreme clarity because the special effects that we're doing are all done in-house you know so i want the details that you see to really grab you and make you think it's more of a snuff film than it is a yeah. horror film yeah so that's the beautiful thing that about it yeah natural yeah, I mean, it's, we shot it, we shot Candy Corn in 4K and I degraded the shit out of it to, to make <laughs> it not look that way. But that's, and I'll shoot, you know, I, 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 the producer I had on Candy Corn, I hope to work with on everything. And we're currently in the development phase for my next film. And it's going to be shot on film. And I hope to oh, wow. only shoot on film because I worked so fucking tirelessly to get Candy Corn to look like film, but you still... And I think I'm pretty good at it. And I worked with some top people that work on some yeah. huge movies in LA that, that helped me sort of figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. There's, you just can't, you can't beat the film look for, for the style that I want. But yeah, I mean, some people, the story they're telling needs to be told digital and modern looking. Right. Um, but I want, can, Candy Corn will most likely, I've got, a, I've got about four movies right now that, that I'm, I'm working on the scripts and, and mm -hmm. kind of my, my plan to get done over the next several years. Um, Candy Corn's probably the cleanest looking of oh, them. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. they'll all have my look, you know, like right. the, the very composed and hopefully, you know, beautiful, as you said, look to it. But 
I just love the the film grain, man. I just love that uh, the texture to it, especially with the characters that that I like to work with. You know, Poncho Poncho is just so he demands your attention. I mean, I, just, yeah. I love that about him. Yeah, you really, you really zone in on him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a lot of work. I mean, he he came in originally very over the top, sort of how he is on stage in the movie, and you know. I, I didn't want to tell him how I wanted the character first. I want him to do his thing and then critique it or just, you know, sort of give my feedback. But I, again, I have the character in my head a hundred percent. And when he came out and, and first started doing it, like when he would do just like normal dialogue, it would be like crazy Dr. Death. And I was just like, yeah, man, that's not going to work. This is a real guy. Dr. Death starts and ends on stage outside of that he's lester he's a real human being um and that's why bishop gate calls him that you know and is the only one that calls him that no one really no one calls him dr death that knows him in the real world that's just this character and so we talked about that a lot and just kept combing back and combing back and combing back on this you know eccentric over the top character and making him a real person and so a lot of the the jokes and remarks that he says in there, like some of that shit that I've said to people, and I just wanted to put it on film, so <laughs> forever. Um, and uh, and he loved that, and you'll see that in you know in, in the in the behind the scenes documentary. There's times where like he'll be like saying something like what if like especially when he's like patronizing Sheriff Bramford, and I'll just say like why don't you do this, you know, and like my direction to him every time he's talking to Sheriff Bramford, every time my direction was treat him like he's your dog, like he's your puppy. And it's just like, you know, like, well, come on, buddy, what's going on? Do you, do you want this? You want, you know, like, ah, oh, cheer up. And the second <laughs> he's great. not interested flip and make us think like, Oh shit, this guy's not funny. He could like, this dude's fucked up, right. you know? So he, and it, Poncho just nailed that. So he could go from like shrunken head, you know, to just like stop just anything for you, Sam. And wow. just has this look where you're just like, oh God, this guy is no good. <laughs> um, but he does that so many times, like in the in the trailer, you know, when he's like, uh, you know, patronizing him and, and, and hazing him about, you know, I'm sure you've been turned down by better looking guys than Jacob. <laughs> like, and you just see in Courtney, again, they're method actors. So Courtney's like, he's getting pissed, like really pissed. And a lot of stuff I would not tell Bramford what Dr. Death was going to say or do. So he would be kind of shocked and caught off guard. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, I just love it. They're all, they're all so freaking great. It was awesome. We're going to push the hell out of that movie. Oh, hell yeah. No, thanks. We are, gonna, we are <laughs> yeah. going to push a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so your next movie, when are you planning on starting to put it into production? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm re- my main focus is obviously the Candy Corn Trail. I mean, we're, like I said, I leave this Thursday to do Son of Monster Palooza. Um, and then it's just the world premiere the week after that. And then just nonstop um, all the way through close to December I'll be doing Q and A's and panels and screenings, stuff like that. So that's, you know, I can't really do a whole lot during that time, but, um, but we've started, 
I, you know, I've, I've got the script and started sort of just the development side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, you know, spring of next year or something like that, if all goes cool. according to plan, that would be my dream situation is we'd be on set around that time. Mm-hmm. But I don't like, the, I don't like downtime. You know, I like to, uh, this is exciting and I love that everyone's excited about candy corn, but like, I'm so ready to just like give it to everybody, you know, like not that I'm tired of it. I still love it. I could watch it like every, every screening (laughs) we do. I still love it. I love, especially with an audience, you know, seeing when people laugh at Gus or, you know, they rooting for Jacob or like laughing at, you know, Dr. Death's comments and cheering for him. And like, I just love that. It's so amazing to, to experience that with, with a crowd. But um, I don't know, as corny as it sounds, I'm kind of like, I've literally done every single thing I can to this film. I love it so much. There's things I hate about it because we didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough time. That's just life. But given what we had uh, time and money wise and all the stuff we were, you know, had, had a, all the stuff you know that we was like we were stacked up against i'm so proud of it and i'm just like here take it people you know enjoy it hate it whatever um you know and 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 i and i wrote candy corn as a trilogy i have two other scripts it's not what i'm going to do next um i want to revisit it down the road but i want to get it out there and let people see what people like see you know what characters they like and, and let it let it live and breathe hopefully for as long as I spent creating it. Um, and uh, yeah, and then come back and revisit that world after some time has passed. But oh, yeah. If, yeah, it feels good to be to be in this position and That's awesome. getting it out there. Yeah, oh, yeah brother. That's great. Well, brother, we are about that time that we're going to start wrapping it up and start getting our, uh, you know, our shout outs done and all that good stuff. So, um, I apologize for my uh, my issues being on and off the show, coming back with a different name, you know, and a female and all. So, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate you coming on, dude. It's it's been an honor, and uh, I will have the other two catch me up with what happened. Um, <laughs> awesome, just awesome. And uh, yeah, dude, we're we're absolutely ecstatic. You took the time to come on your busy Ooh. schedule, and I hope to see you at Monster Palooza. And yeah. uh, you and I can sit down and talk, and uh, you know, roll over some stuff. I'm gonna so, be jealous. Uh, I'm gonna be super jealous. I know we're gonna be over here like you assholes. Yep, <laughs> that's the advantage of living in LA, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, All the cool stuff. Uh, um, but yeah, so who is it or what is it you want to talk about on the way out and promote and, you know, uh, give special thanks to obviously Rob Zombie and, and his team for helping you get through candy corn and, you know, um, but yeah, um, let, let's talk about uh, who you want to give special thanks to. Yeah, I mean, you know, every, everybody that helped get it done. I mean, it was it was really a team effort and it wasn't easy and as calm and collected as I might seem right now. Uh, I'm not that way all the time. Uh, I have very specific way I want things done. And, you know, I still daily praise the people that, that put up with that and see the bigger picture. So, um, yeah, I mean, every, everybody that that's been a part of it, they know who they are and they know how much I appreciate them. And, uh, you know, the big thing right now is just, getting everybody to know that the film is available September 17th uh, on VOD and Blu-ray. You can pre-order it. 
now until the 17th and it's like $12 off or something like that, almost half off um, at Epic Pictures website. And, and we put a lot into that too. Um, you know, we had Rob Galuzzo was with Epic and he's the one that actually acquired the film. Uh, Ryan Turek from Blumhouse saw mm-hmm. it yeah. and, and really awesome. liked it and told Rob, hey, you got to check this out. It would be perfect for Dread. Right. And, and, then, and then that's, you know, that's how it all happened really with Epic. And, and one of the big things that I want everybody to know with this is like, you know, Rob is a huge collector, like we all are. I mean, look behind you, like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just what, it's what our lives revolve around. And, and he sort of kick-started, let's make sure this, this release, this physical release isn't just some half-assed thing. You know, let's do, let's make sure there's an amazing documentary. Let's do the commentary. Awesome. The packaging is great. It's something that first and foremost, we wanted to be able to put on our shelves next to all 20 versions of John Carpenter's Halloween that we keep collecting every time they put out <laughs> right. different yeah. artwork. <laughs> right. um, you know, and, and, and all the other stuff. And so that that's really important to me because this is a film that wasn't easy to make. Um, it was literally the opposite. And it was done because of a bunch of people who love horror and wanted to create an original horror film um, that we wanted to see in the world. And so the fact that we accomplished that is amazing and I'm proud of that, we're all proud of that. But the fact that the physical release also reflects that same sentiment is huge. And so, you know, I just wanna thank obviously Rob for you know encouraging everyone at Epic to, to do that because they don't do that with all their films. You know, a lot of them, go to VOD and, and that's that. But this is a film for horror fans. And, you know, a lot of the reviews have been about how it feels like Halloween and it just is, you know, an instant Halloween favorite. And that means more than I can ever say to me or say, say to you how much it means to me. Um, so, so yeah, just thanks to, to everybody who, who helped us get it done over the last three years and, everybody who's taking the time to check it out now. I mean, and telling everybody about it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It uh, we are awesome definitely going to be spreading the word. So um, again, uh, we will let everybody know that it comes out on the 17th for hard release and uh, we will go from there. So every time you have an update or something, send it to us and we will be happy cool. to put it out. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you. So, I appreciate absolutely. you guys. Absolutely. It was an honor. Uh, Mr. Lance Wagner, what do you have brother? Just wanted to say the primetime horror show should probably be out by now. Hopefully, yes. uh, Thad, Timothy, Lance Dell, and Devin Martin. Cats out of the bag. They've got a show coming. So, mm-hmm. and it's going to be good. Going to talk about indie movies, indie music, mm-hmm. cult stuff. It's going to be. It's going to be a good show. Guys are real funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damon Williams, Scott Williamson, James Blankenship for their nonstop support of the show. Uh, Roy Rose and Lisa Rose have a contest going on. Not sure how this. We'll probably see it like one drawing before this show drops. Mm-hmm. So. But they're going to have all the way up to the Cult Classic Convention in February, and I think you go to you go to the the, tech, the uh, Cult Classic Convention website or Instagram, and you share it with like four. It's easy to enter it, and you can win actual weekend passes, I believe, to the convention. So, but anyway, that's a uh, Roy Rose and Lisa Rose on the gas station, which was the uh, in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that's where everything falls off of the had the Cult Classic Convention. Saw them all connected. Um, Daryl Hook's been a real big uh, guy that loves our show. He's Mr. Meat Hook on YouTube, and he has a group. It's funny we brought Halloween 3 up. 
he has a group on uh, Facebook, Halloween Three Lovers, and it's a great group. Everybody's real chill. <laughs> um, C.W. Penny, Bradley Lynch, and Elsie Holt, who Elsie Holt was in Your Next, they have a, it's called Ranton Raven Reviews, and it's on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, all that stuff, good stuff. Uh, re they reviewed, uh, I think, Friday the 13th, the original versus the remakes or something like that. It was really, really well done. Um, Joe Ridgely and George C. Romero, Romero Pictures, uh, Indie Brigade, excellent show coming. They had a little bit of a glitch yesterday on some, they just wanted to talk about some things, had technical difficulties, but they, uh, they're going to be up and running pretty soon. They're going to be good. Uh, Chris Attella does our music. Josh, dude's awesome. Matthew Price Thompson, you'll be doing your picture. He's awesome. Uh, MPT Graphics. And then just real quick, Billy Pond, Bill O'Burst Jr., and Parrish Randall's going to be on the show pretty soon. So we'll have three of the Circus of the Dead's uh, mainstays on. And then uh, at – is it Whorehound right now in Indy, right? Whorehound, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, PJ Starks, Drew Marvick, and Mitch Rafter, my buddies. They're all awesome. Mitch hey, brother, but by the time they actually see this – I hope you guys had fun. Yeah, I hope you guys had fun. And I love my I love my co-host. I love my wife who is the other producer off screen. Just got Sam's back, back. Just had a major surgery. She's yeah. doing great. All the all the good vibes that helped out. And Josh, thanks for being on. We love your movie. We are thank we are honored to have got to great. be one of the first ones to see it. So thank you. Yeah, we got thank the link. So I was much. like, oh my gosh, we get to actually and watch was, it. Right? <laughs> that made me yeah. feel like like bucket list type stuff. I'm sitting yeah. there looking at you know a KV corn screener. I'm like going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that's all. That's all. Thanks to uh, Melanie, my publicist. Thank you, Melanie. She was, yeah, she was like, do you want to show it to anybody? I was like, yeah, to everybody. Send that's it. You awesome. know, I don't. Because we we did a couple interviews and it was just like asking me questions about it. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to talk about. Like watch the movie, you know? So I love that you guys, you guys were able to see it and enjoyed it and we can yes. have a conversation. And I'm going to so own it as soon as oh, I possibly yeah. can. I will have it in my player as soon as possible. It'll be displayed behind you. Right over there. <laughs> the horse section's over there. Pre-order it now. I got you. Right. I got you. <laughs> Thanks again, Josh. Thank you All guys. Right. Miss Rhiannon, it. what do you got, sweetheart? I want to thank you, Josh, for coming on. We've been super excited to have you on here. It's, it, you've been great. Your movie Gosh. is so good. Are you pointing right at over me? There. He's right over there. See, Josh he's over right here on there. my side. <laughs> he's down you. there for me. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Um, I want to thank my co-hosts. You know, without you guys, again, we wouldn't have the show. Everybody that you mentioned, Lance, we love them all. They're part of our horror family. Um, Aaron Lee with Crazy Ink Publishing. My book is out now on paperback. Well, one of them. Yeah. And then pre-order for Kindle is out. So um, Broken Halo by Rihanna Nicole. And that's it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> awesome. So, all right. And I want to give a special shout out to uh, Matthew Price Thompson, who is our graphic artist for the show and also my film, Normal Terror. Um, any of the artwork you've seen me post on my page or on my production page, Sacrificial Farm Productions, um, is done by him. So um, thank you, Matthew Price Thompson. Love you. And, um, you know, thank you guys for, for being my co-hosts. I couldn't do this without you guys, and I wouldn't want to do this without oh, you guys. Yeah. 
I love you guys to death. You guys are amazing. You guys are wonderful. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute blast, even with my technical difficulties. Um, and, uh, for the five minutes you were on. Right? Yeah, for the whole five minutes I was on, it was wow, dude. I'm just blown away. <laughs> so, um, But I will get to see a copy of this before it releases. So I get to be one of those inside guys. But um, no, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to your publicist for you know working back and forth with us so that we can get this done. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. So you guys, thank you. Love you. And uh, we'll talk at you soon. Thank you guys very much. Bye, guys.